Welcome to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and staff achieve peak economic and practice efficiency so there is time and energy to focus on patient care and a happy life. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-hosts, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. Today's episode is brought to you by ModMed. Do your EHR and PM adapt to your style of practice? The ModMed EHR and PM do, with benefits like remembering preferences and automatically suggesting documentation and billing codes. Urologists voted ModMed the number one urology-specific EHR and PM solution available, built by urologists with input from yours truly. Stop wasting 60 minutes and 200 for each of your open or no-show slot. Go to modmed.com slash prsnetwork. Set up an appointment with the team at ModMed Urology and shift your urology practice into high gear. Imagine a solution on a tablet or the web that works seamlessly with revenue cycle management, analytics, telehealth, payment processing, patient engagement tools, and much more. ModMed is transforming healthcare by placing doctors and patients at the center of care. Welcome to episode 184 of the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast. I'm your host, Scott Painter, with my co-host, Mark Painter and Dr. Ray Painter. And on today's episode, we want to answer some questions that have come into our community. And uh, you can post a question if you'd like. Join for free at if you go to prsnetwork.com forward slash 184 for this episode. And you scroll down and you'll see it opportunity to join the urology coding and reimbursement group where you can ask a question and answer questions all right so we had uh, a few questions come in but before we start with the questions from the community we did have a question that came in about episode number 182 where we covered shared split visits and uh, this came in from Tori. And Tori asks, she says, regarding the most recent podcast episode on shared split visits, Medicare's policy states that only one practitioner must have face-to-face time with the patient. In our practice, the physician documents an addendum on the APP's note with the medical decision portion of the visit. Per the episode, the physician must demonstrate involvement during the visit, not afterwards, in order to bill under the physician's NPI. Is there a guideline that states that the physician must document their portion in real time as the visit with the APP takes place? If they document the MDM portion of the visit in its entirety, isn't that enough to bill for the substantive portion of the MDM as required by Medicare? All right, Mark. What do you got on this? All right, Tori, this is a good question. And I think we're in, this is the nuances of trying to get this rule down in the shared split visit world. So great question and how you asked it. And I can see why our discussion may have left a little confusion in the air. We talked about two different encounters. And Tori, you are correct. And this is one of the reasons that, as we've discussed, the physician involvement in the visit, the substantive portion of the visit, 
is when either the physician is actively involved in the visit. Now, he or she doesn't, uh, according to Medicare, doesn't have to be in the facility or in the room with the patient if he or she is directing the care through the visit. So that's the substantive portion that the physician is making those decisions real time during the visit and then later going back in and signing off on the visit. So that would be where the, we'll assume that the mid-level is the one in the hospital seeing the patient and going over all the information that's come in and calling the, the physician to get directive as to what they need to do to treat that patient. And they document it that way. And then the physician goes back and signs the note later indicating that APP's note recorded accurately the encounter. So all the information that was passed back and forth. The second way of doing this is if the physician were to come back and see the patient later in the day and then review the record and then document that they identified the patient's problem and if they read or digested any data indicating that the data was reviewed and then restating the plan of care, thus supporting that the physician was the one that actually made the final plan, even though the interim plan was made by the APP. And then the physician signs off on the note. So the physician didn't have to participate live in the encounter if they go back and they see the patient later in the day and make the substantive portion of the visit, meaning they own the patient, the decision, the problem. They've redocumented all of that information because they, in fact, are still taking the decision-making portion of the patient's care in that note as an addendum. So if you look at it that way, and it sounds like that's what happens with Tori's group, that the physician goes and sees the patient later in the day and then documents everything that took place but also, importantly, does the MDM as an addendum and signs off on that. The place that we feel is a little bit more difficult and one of those areas which doesn't really fit the definition is if the APP really did the visit and the physician comes in the next day and signs off on the note saying, oh, that was really good. Um, type of thing. Or you've got a situation where the physician didn't actually go through all of the information on that date. So really the, the APP did exactly what the visit was. They really did the substantive portion of the visit. And the physician at a later date goes back and make sure that everything was done appropriately, that's part of the job of the physician to supervise the APP and give them feedback as to what they did or didn't do. They didn't really participate in that visit 
they are reviewing what's going on afterwards. You've got two different cases as we've gone through this. One being the physician was involved actively in the visit, directing the care, and then signs the note saying it was an accurate reflection of the visit or that the physician actually went in, reviewed all the information and documented their conclusions based on the presenting problem and at the very least, the plan of care going forward. And then signs the note, even if it's an addendum. Ray, comments? Uh, I think Mark explained it very well. I think that we, we could say that we're hanging our hat on the fact that it talks about the substantive portion during the visit. And, uh, and nowhere have we found any permission that we can count the review afterwards as having a substantive report in the visit. So later on, there may come out with something that says we can do that, and we'll be happy to change our opinion, but we haven't found it yet. Okay, let's move on to answering another question. We got a question in from Ashley. Actually, a couple questions in from Ashley. The first one is for 52001. We commonly use this code for cysto and clot evacuation for gross hematuria under general anesthesia requiring rigid scope. Are physicians allowed to use this code for cystoscopy and irrigation of a clot with a syringe under local procedure, or should they use the 52000 and uh, with the 57000? I guess first we got to get some uh, definitions there. So, Mark, make sure you give the color of what those codes are when you're answering the question, but I'll turn it over to you. Okay. We look at the definition of 52001. Then what we're looking at is cystourethroscopy with irrigation and evacuation of multiple obstructing clots. And we can see through the bundling edits that the 51700 is bundled and never can be unbundled. That would say that if you've got the scope in and you're using the scope to evacuate the clot, so you're watching the, you're in the bladder with the scope, then you would use the 52001. And that doesn't necessarily require general anesthesia, or nor does it require an operating room. That could be done in the office. So you've got that as an option. But in your case, in this case, with the question from Ashley, then we've actually got a, a situation where the scope it sounds, was inserted. They did the cystoscopy, and then they removed the cystoscope and put a catheter in and irrigated with a syringe. So when we look at the 52,000, we can see that 51700 is listed as bundled, but unbundling is allowed. In those circumstances where the cystoscope is used to look into the bladder, then removed, and then a catheter inserted to do the irrigation, then the appropriate billing would be 52,000 and 51700 with a 59 modifier. Great comments. 
I think that was very clear. And you might just want to add that if it's Medicare, you would use the XU modifier. Thanks for adding that. (laughs) Getting that clarified. All right, let's go to the final question. Again, it's from Ashley. For 52281, does passage of the cystoscopy to dilate a narrowing in the urethra or meatus count? Or is it only to be used in cases where the meatus is cut or dilators or DVIU are used? Mark, what do you got? All right, so let's read the 52281. The 52281 is cystourethroscopy with calibration and or dilation of the of urethral stricture or stenosis, with or without meatotomy, with or without injection p- procedure for st- cystography, male or female. So what that would tell us is that if the purpose of the procedure was to dilate a urethral stricture or stenosis, it can be dilated with the cystoscope. If a meatotomy was performed, then it would be included in the 52281. If a DVIU was performed, there's a different code, the 52276, that you would use for the DVIU. But I do want to make clear that if the if there is a narrowing of the urethra, that you are dilating with the scope just to complete the cystoscopy, that is an approach procedure, and you should use the 52,000 instead of the 52,281. It is specific to a dilation of a urethral stricture or stenosis. So the medical necessity needs to support that dilation, regardless of how it is done with the scope or with a separate dilate, that it needs to be specifically focused and treatment for a stricture or stenosis of the urethra. Ray, any comments? No, I I think that uh, that is correct. It's for two things, one of cystoscopy and one of calibration of dilation of a stricture, either diagnosed at the cysto or pre-existing in which you do a dilation of the stricture and the cystoscopy at the same time. And Mark is right, the construct of the CPT. So with the commas in there that says with or without meatotomy, you don't have to do a meatotomy, but if you do, you can't charge for it. It's included. All right. Hopefully that was clarified that up for you, Ashley. Okay. Let's say in this here, I do want to remind you that the documentation for reimbursement challenge for urologists and APPs is open. Registration is open. The challenge actually begins. The first challenge is February 26, 2024. So we do encourage you to, we encourage all urologists to join this challenge. Uh, the As this title states, it's really focusing on the documentation for reimbursement. And as we talked about in our last episode, the documentation, the clinical documenta- documentation that everybody learned throughout their clinical training 
is always really pretty good. We see that. But there are subtle nuances and words that you need to know in order to get paid completely for each service. And that's what we're referring to when we talk about the documentation for reimbursement. So check it out. You can go to the web page for this episode, prsnetwork.com forward slash 184. And there are links to join the challenge. We do encourage everybody to join, whether you're very experienced or very new. It's a great course, a great challenge under two hours. It doesn't take that long. It's a sprint course, if you will. Come join us and make sure that documentation for reimbursement is solid and included. All right, let's get some final thoughts. Mark, final thoughts. Yeah, so I really enjoy the questions that are starting to come in. It really shows that we've got a lot of great coders and urologists out there that are really trying to narrow down on the definitions of each of these rules as we go forward. In some of the cases, we have general guidance without specific guidance. And when we can, and we'll, we're having to navigate that on the general guidance and interpretation until Medicare comes up with some additional verbiage to tell us more specifics. And so we can give you that. But uh, yeah, we're, we'll see if these questions persist. Typically, Medicare will weigh in with some additional documentation requirements, and we'll pass those on as those become available. But until then, we've got general guidance, and that's what we go with. So hopefully, everything we've given you is understandable and something you can put into practice. The, the old saying, the devil is in the detail, really shows up in, in, in the questions and how you have to dig deep to get the correct answer at times. And uh, we try to do that for you. Also, it's uh, the same with your documentation and getting paid for what you do. So again, we're trying to do the heavy lifting to make it easy for you. All right. Okay, that's all we have. And I do want to congratulate my co-host, we just passed 75,000 downloads for the podcast. So congratulations, fellas. That was job well done so far. Finally, want to mention again, we want to thank ModMed for supporting the podcast. If you're in the market for a practice management system or an EHR, we do encourage you to check out ModMed at modmed.com forward slash PRS network. They do have some specials for our audience. All right, that's all. Take us out, Ray. Uh, I want to say thank you to all for listening. And happy Cody. Thank you for listening to the Urology Coding and Reimbursement Podcast, where we help urologists and their staff maximize income and efficiencies so there's time and energy for patient care and a happy life. Special thanks to Carl Painter for the music today. You can find his music on Spotify under his record label, The Juicery. 